The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. You are listening to Know the Score, brought to you by the CSPN. Tune in to us via iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and any other station that carries us. You know the drill. This is part two, Law and Order. This is going to be one of those shows where we're going to have a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. So let's get to it. I am Tyler Ball. You can find me at T-A-B-A-L-L-1 on Twitter. My co-host is Don DeLaRente. You can find him at Don DeLaRente on Twitter. And of course, the official hashtag. And Twitter account is at KTSPOD or hashtag KTSPOD. Okay, Don, uh, it's been a wide week uh, when you think about what's going on in sports overall. Uh, you know, our previous episode, we talked about the AFC South and AFC North. But before all of that happened, some very interesting news from the NFL office came down. Um, since I am a Dallas Cowboy fan, I will speak on it. Uh, after a 16-month wait uh, with incidents dating back to July of last year and investigations going before then. The NFL announced that Ezekiel Elliott will be suspended for the first six games of the 2017 season. Uh, of course, it sparked a lot of debate with the NFL beyond what the police have um, have done and ruled in their uh, in their situation with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, just a lot of debate on punishment fitting the crime. Uh, has the NFL overstepped its boundaries and simple conversations of that nature. Um, my PO, my point of view is that. Ezekiel Elliott is being punished for two reasons. You can put the the fact that he was acquitted or not charged. You can put that to the side for a moment. The NFL does have a right to punish for stupid actions. The Not only the domestic violence situation, even if that's thrown out, he still inappropriately evaded a woman's space at a parade. You can talk about the speeding penalty, which, you know, to me is bogus because I think we, we are all guilty of of reckless driving at some point those who do who who do operate a vehicle um we can consider that that barroom fight where he allegedly broke a staffer or a dj's nose um and just other instances where he's just not been a very uh a very responsible human being um taking away my cowboy bias uh at all i still believe that the punishment uh doesn't necessarily fit the so-called crime um i still do believe that there is a right for him to be suspended but there's a twofold issue with this jerry jones went publicly to cha- he decided to challenge roger goodell publicly despite the fact that roger goodell has held and a pretty much an iron will against any pun any owner who has decided to challenge any type of punishment that he's dealt with dealt he's uh delivered to a player Jerry Jones just made a fool out of himself, literally, by saying that he looked at the evidence and he found nothing to be considered. Not only was he found out wrong, but this is an embarrassment. This almost stains his Hall of Fame uh, enshrinement, which was barely a week ago as we rec- as we we're recording. It's it's a reminder of Jerry putting the blinders on, even when his own players have committed atrocities and have been found guilty of them. Uh, it's a, it's a sad state, and I don't know if he's really going to be called to be accountable for what he said because it was clearly wrong. Don, you have the floor. 
this thing is has so many layers to it. Um, I start with the whole Roger Goodell being the commissioner. Uh, I think that was the summer of 2001 where they put that um, – they ran that article in the USA Today, and they had all the players who had gotten arrested in that offseason. It was like 75 guys. And the outrage, that was the year Pat Man Jones had the incident in the strip club. That was the major one. But, you know, all the other ones underneath that as well. And that was kind of when the outcry and the public became, oh, these guys are out of control and they're committing all these um, crimes and doing all these bad things. And the league is just sitting by and not doing anything. They're not being proactive. They're letting these guys go through the system. And then they're kind of deciding punishments. And it's not necessarily a league thing. It's a team thing. And everybody was just so upset. So we have the perfect storm of Paul Tagliabue retires. And then we get Roger Goodell, who comes in and his first order of business is I'm the law and order commissioner. So what that leads to is a new CBA agreement, because in the old agreement under Paul Tagliabue that they had used for years was that the NFL did not consider taking actions against players until they were convicted of crimes. So basically, if you got charged, we won't do anything. You have to go to trial. We still don't do anything. We won't do anything until these people are convicted of their actions. Then it was up to the team discretion. And then sometimes if it was a really big issue, the league would jump in. But most of the time, it was a team to team thing. Well, that all changed in a new CBA agreement where they have language in the agreement that says regardless of a conviction or a charge, if we do our investigation as far as internal NFL investigation and we feel Feel that you have done something outside of what needs to be done to represent our league, we're going to suspend you. So that's kind of where Zeke has fallen underneath now. He hasn't been charged. He hasn't been convicted. But through the NFL's own investigation, they've determined, hey, you know, this incident uh, with the Ohio State lady, they said that they have they saw uh, graphical evidence of him using force against her multiple times. Um, this bra incident at the parade documented for everybody to see on a cell phone. The same thing with the club incident. So it's not not like, you know, it's a he say, she say incident. It's in two out of the three situations. And so I think what they did was they said, okay, we gave you a break at the beginning of last year by not even considering the investigation until after the season. He gets lucky there. Then he makes the bad decision of being seen at the weed shop, whether he was a tourist or not. It's just not a good decision. And so I think that that kind of gave the NFL kind of a little a little perk up like this dude is, you know, not taking a lot of this stuff seriously. And I just think that what they basically did was said, hey, you've had three incidents um, in your rookie year. And they just gave him two games for each incident. They gave him two games for the Ohio State incident, two games for the raw incident, two games for the club incident. Um, And at this point, you also have to realize that this was probably a makeup call for the Josh. Brown uh, incident and how they handled that, um, where Josh Brown uh, was the next player to uh, be charged and convicted of domestic abuse after Ray Rice, and he only got one game when the mandatory was supposed to be, hey, we don't care if you're um, guilty or not, if the charge comes up for domestic violence, it's automatically six games. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what this is for the NFL. It's their makeup call for Josh Brown. It's the same way that they, hey, we're going to give Ray Rice a one-game suspension, and everything's all good, then the video comes out, and all of a sudden, they do a 
wake-up call. So, um, you know, I just think that it's just the it's the avenue of what do you want? You know, 15 years ago, it was, hey, these players need to be held in check. I don't care if they get convicted or not. If they're out here acting up, they need to be punished. Well, now that pendulum has swung over to, well, he didn't get charged. He's not going to go to jail for it. There's no criminal charges. Why are they having to do any type of punishment? So, you know, it just shows you just how the sentiment has changed over the 15 years that Goodell has now been the commissioner of the NFL. And as far as Jerry Jones goes, I think Jerry Jones was running some PR um, you know, trying to get out in front of it, trying to ease the Cowboys fans' mind to say, hey, you know, we looked at it, we got the same stuff the NFL does, and, you know, as far as we're concerned, it's a nothing situation. I think that in his mind, Jerry Jones figured, ah, he'd probably get two games, we can appeal it, and they'll maybe give him one, or he might not miss any. And in that way, you know, he comes out looking good on the other side. Um, but NFL security, as, you know, a lot of people know, or those who don't know, I mean, this is like one of the highest levels of of investigating that we have in our country. Um, if there's anything that they need to know, they will find it out. Just ask Michael Vick. And uh, a lot of times they're actually more thorough in their investigation than the actual people, the FBI or the police that, you know, are, are, you know, involved in the actual case of the player as far as the criminal charges go. So, you know, I just think that Zeke has shown such a lack of awareness um, in this situation. Like you said, he's just made some bad choices, some bad decisions. Um, I think at some point when you're such a star athlete on a college campus, you get insulated in a bubble and you can actually act out and there's a bubble of people there that can shield you away from all of the you know punishments that do come with it but now that you're here in the nfl you can't operate that way because um you play for such a high profile team you've um uh carried yourself and, and marketed yourself so that you are a distinct personality now he does not blend into any type of crowd I, i'm pretty sure that um if ezekiel elliott showed up at some place random place in the middle of america people would know who he was it wouldn't be like an anonymous you know tight end or something like that he's so a product of middle america he played for a medical a middle america institution at Ohio right State. right yeah. so he's got to is. so he's got to realize now that hey man i can't go out here and like i said have this lack of awareness to put myself in these compromising positions because guess what man everybody's gonna be looking at me and they've got a cell phone and you know whatever i do negative is gonna end up you know being recorded and it's going to get me in trouble. And I think that um, you know, this would be a good learning lesson from him. I think that it'll also um, maybe he'll have a better appreciation for uh, Dak Prescott and his wisdom. Uh, because, I mean, basically Dak Prescott's whole message to him was, hey, dude, lay low, like super duper low. Like, you know, you've gotten this fame, you've gotten this notoriety, this celebrity. The one thing we don't need in this offseason is for you to go out here and and, and do something crazy and, and mess up our chances of you not being available for a part of the season. And that's exactly what he did. So, yep. I, you know, I just think that unfortunately for him, he's going to have to learn, you know, this lesson the hard way. And um, I don't think that we'll have any problems out of Zeke after.
after this. I think, you know, this is going to hopefully shake him up enough to where, you know, he understands how valuable he is and just how easy this can all be taken away from you. I mean, you know, six game game checks possibly and a voided voided $8 million guarantee. Plus, he's going to have to replay $1.4 million as part of his prorated signing bonus. Yeah, that's a pretty painful lesson, to say the least. Yeah, so, you know, I just think, you know, and hopefully a, a young guy's following Zeke will understand, too, that the NFL doesn't care about what your state municipality finds out. It's all about what they find out. And when they find out that you, A, have been inconsistent with your with your story, or B, they find out that, hey, this could be a really bad PR hit, they're going to bring the hammer down on you. And unfortunately, like I said before, they've been kind of been making makeup calls because, you know, Josh Brown only got one game. So you, you knew the next person who got in any type of trouble was going to get it and it just unfortunately happened to be Zeke Mm -hmm. well we will talk about the impact that this has on the Dallas Cowboys specifically in our NFC East preview which will be approximately uh three weeks from now but um I'm going to save some other some other opinions for my final take but We'll talk about another another major news event. Uh, meanwhile, oh, on the sa- during the same time, the Zeke news was uncovered. Three team trade. Well, two trade two trades between three teams: uh, Buffalo Bills, Philadelphia Eagles, and the Los Angeles Football Rams uh, made a trade that really changes the fortunes, possibly, of both teams. Uh, the Bills have decided to move their star wide receiver Sammy Watkins, who's on the final year of his contract. Um, they de- they're going they declined the option on a fifth year uh they're not even going to deal with that fifth year option so they went ahead and traded him with the rams along with a six round pick for next year's draft in exchange for starting cornerback ej games uh and a 2018 second round pick uh also the bills acquired jordan matthews and a 2018 third rounder for from the eagles for starting cornerback ronald darby uh pretty big deal for the bills um you know they they decided to make a move that's probably going to be unpopular in the beginning to begin a rebuilding process uh they have tyrod taylor locked up so they decided to get uh a marginally better receiving talent in jordan matthews but um but they also get a starting corner and a a few picks that are going to help them in the future uh any other thoughts on the trade uh don uh with semi watkins moving from the bills to the rams if you're a fantasy football player load up on shady McCoy because he's it, it looks like that Buffalo is going to probably uh, be more of a ground uh, oriented attack this year now they got a defensive minded head coach so you know their whole mantra is probably going to be run the football play good defense and Tyrod make one or two deep throws down the field and just keep us out of you know uh, third and long just manage the game type um, approach to their season so that's going to lead to a lot of touches for Shady McCoy I think as far as the Rams go um, if golf is going to ever have a chance to be good in this league he's going to need him a top flight receiver and that's basically what they did um, regardless if it's just going to be a 16 game rental or in Sammy Watkins case maybe an 8 game rental depending on how good his foot um, it really is if he's healed from uh, the foot problems that have kind of plagued him the last couple of years I think in terms of the Rams approach though I think they see Sammy Watkins being that uh, their head coach uh, came from the Redskins I think they see them as uh, their Deshaun Jackson their guy who can 
um, you know, draw attention, take the top off the defense, big strike type of player. Um, as far as the Bills go, um, like I said, with uh, getting the um, the Eagles uh, cornerback, it's just going to help them, you know, strip their defense a little bit more because, of course, we've had some, uh, you know, some some deficiencies there. And I don't, I don't know about Jordan Matthews. I mean, I guess he's okay. He's Jordan Matthews was horrible. I had him on fantasy <laughs> last year. He's awful. He was, he, well, he, he was he, playing he, with he, a rookie quarterback, though, Tyler, so... No, Come on no, now. no, 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 hold on, hold on. Jordan Matthews was awful last year, before la- last season, even before Carson Wentz came. He is the epitome of why the Eagles wide receivers have the reputation of being the worst wide receiver core in the league. And also, this is pretty much make it or break it for Nelson Agelor, who's also been borderline bust for the Eagles. So moving Matthews means Agelor begins to be the, gets to be the number one guy, which means he's got to produce right away, which, right. you know, which could help him. But yes, Matthews has been nothing short of disappointing. Uh, two seasons ago, you know, he he was really the talk of, he was one of the few guys that was, uh, you know, actually got some pub uh, beyond Odell Beckham Jr.'s rookie season. But yeah, Matthews has been subpar at best. Uh, and the Eagles definitely need cornerback help. So, I mean, Ronald Darby going over there should maybe help offset the uh, Byron Maxwell, uh, you know, uh, acquisition that they have. So, you know, this might actually work out for all three teams. It's very rare to see um, NFL teams trade players like this and like in the quote unquote season, even though this is still the preseason. Um, but I think actually that all three teams got people that could help them. Um, so, you know, I don't really you have to wait to see how the stats play out and the season plays out. But right now, I don't see anybody that, that got, you know, the short end of the deal. I think everybody is happy with what happened because the I Bills don't have to play. They don't have to worry about Sammy Watkins and having to – because if he gets hurt, what, a lot of these contracts is if he gets hurt, then he's guaranteed, you know, the option year. And so they basically said, okay, <laughs> instead of doing what the Redskins did with RG3, which was like, you know, oh, you got hurt and now we're just going to hold you out and not let you play at all, um, they're basically saying – We'll let that be somebody else's problem. And, and that's, that's a smart front office work, considering that they're a team that's looking to be in the lower half of the rankings this year and not, you know, on the verge of a playoff berth, you know, prepare for two se- another season or two from now. So uh, um, I kind of like what they did. I'm, I'm, uh, I think that both uh, the Bills and the Eagles took care of immediate needs. Um, and no, the, the, uh, the Bills got a nice foundation of, of picks to for next year's draft. Um, hopefully, with the picks that they had last year, unfortunately, that guy that got injured, like Reggie Raglan, uh, I hope those guys actually worked out this season. Um, I think they had a good, they had a pretty solid draft this year. So getting picks does help. Um, I think the Rams, for what their what their situation is currently, I think they are a significant loser because you gave up not only did you give up a second rounder you also gave up your other starting corner and you're likely not going to have your other corner in Tremaine Johnson who um who's been franchised twice so I don't know unless you unless you can find that sixth round pick to be a legitimate starter um I'm just not sure if the value that you got in return for Sammy Watkins was really good enough um I mean the value that the value that you got in Sammy Watkins is good enough for what you gave up and particularly when your defense is the defense is your strong suit uh particularly the secondary so that's what remains to be seen I just think that that the Rams are uh they may have taken a step back with this move um I really do like um 
Uh, the Eagles, who already who were awful in the secondary, uh, they got a serious upgrade. Um, they were actually starting two rookies, and and one went down. So that's that's huge. Getting uh, getting Darby, and maybe they can limit some of their um, over the top throws that they gave up, um, especially to teams like the Dallas Cowboys, who have a big play receiver. Uh, in other injury news, um, big big loss for the Miami Dolphins. Raekwon McMillan, who was the who was going to be the starting middle linebacker, uh, he was already calling signals for the defense. Uh, he tore his ACL in the preseason game and was ruled out for the season. He's going to have surgery. Um, likely replacement is going to be uh, Lawrence Timmons, uh, who was former inside linebacker for the Steelers, or uh, or Mike Hill, who's undrafted and was currently, uh, he was McMillan's backup, but uh, that's huge for the Dolphins, who um, have their defensive strength up the middle and in and at the corners. Um, you know, that's that's uh that's pretty big when you lose your signal caller. That's like that's like Dallas losing Sean Lee for two years. Um, uh, Miami basically lost both their signal callers on offense and defense because it was revealed that uh, last yesterday, late in the evening, that uh, Tenny Hill is going to miss the season. That that injury where he wasn't touched and running towards the sideline is a torn ACL. So, wow, wow, wow! How things have changed quickly for yes. both the Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Uh, you know, there that's going to even elevate the Patriot talk of going 16 and 0 um you know that just limits the that just it widens the gap between the patriots and the rest of the afc uh the afc east so uh miami already had a brutal schedule to begin with um as we told you and this makes it even rougher um i think i would probably take a game away from my prediction and they're going to be borderline uh competing to get the get a wild card spot um you know i i, I think a game is being generous they, they're gonna have to rely on a guy at quarterback who really wasn't enthused about playing this year and now not only at first it was like oh he'll just be insurance if if uh you know tenny hill has to miss five or six games or can't be ready for the season but now he's actually going to be the guy oh man <laughs> yeah yeah uh against against you know eight teams that have pretty solid secondary against uh you're going to play eight games against teams that have uh you're probably gonna yeah probably top eight he's probably gonna see uh jay cutler is actually gonna see probably six of the top eight secondaries on the schedule so uh man it it, it, it looks really bad for the afc east uh the dolphins actually may who knows uh what if matt moore beats him out now nah. I can't see it. <laughs> nah, man, you don't necessarily pay a guy ten million dollars who is preparing to be on Fox uh, NFL Sunday. You don't give him ten million dollars just to stand up there holding a the clipboard, right? <laughs> because if that was the case, if the thing was for Matt Moore to elevate, then why not pay Kaepernick five and have him be the third string emergency just in case something happens, quarterback? Well, he, well, you know, Kaepernick wasn't going to be in Miami anyway. With uh, you know this whole the whole uh, oh yeah the, the for the Castro shirt, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. not going to. And, and you know, it's funny because the Castro shirt didn't even wasn't even to to celebrate Castro. It was to honor the meeting that he had with Malcolm X. But you know, that's neither here nor there. Right, right. Uh, in other new other news, um, in our preview, we we talked about uh, the Baltimore Ravens being. Uh, being hit by injuries uh we did not mention but this week starting left guard alex lewis went down uh he has decided to have soldier surgery and he will miss the season so you know i i i said that somehow i predicted baltimore being seven and nine uh i I, they're they're gonna struggle to get to six wins to be honest i you know i had to rethink that but yeah if they get seven and nine that'll be a remarkable season and and i'm sure uh you can tune in to the gridiron guys and the uh the nfl chick 
that would be Rita, who is a Baltimore Ravens fan, and I'll be I'll be looking forward to hearing what she predicts for her Ravens. But you know, she is a natural pessimist, so you know, six wins. I, I definitely know that six wins will be an achievement. Seven would be outstanding. But um, I will leave that to Rita to tell you guys on the Gridiron Gals. So stay tuned. In other news, uh, we're rounding down the end of competition for the uh, IAAF World Track and Field Championships. Uh, There is really no surprise in the track world that the United States has dominated the World Championships. Uh, The medal count currently, as we record, is at 23. No other country has more than eight, and that's overall medals. Uh, But that's really not the story. Uh, The story going in was Usain Bolt participating in his final, uh, final race in the 100 meters which is his signature event. Of course, he is the world, he is the world record holder, holds uh, the top three times in the world uh, in, in uh, history in that event. Uh, the race was seen to be just a swan song, and uh, unfortunately, Bolt met with a couple of tragedies. Uh, his, one of his best friends uh, died during his training in a vehicle accident um, that took him off training for three months, and he also revealed that he's had a nagging back uh, and it really showed up in the actual 100-meter final as he had one of his worst starts off the blocks in his career, uh, which allowed Christian Coleman from the USA, who's the current NCAA 60-meter and 100-meter national champ, uh, he took the lead in the race. And Coleman was overcome by his fellow compatriot and veteran Justin Gatlin, who took the gold medal, finally uh Achieving his goal of reclamation of sorts after being disgraced for PED use. Uh, he claims that he is fully clean and to win this race is a, a major honor and a major degree and created a major degree of satisfaction in London, especially in a very pro uh, bolt crowd. Winning, winning this winning this world championship will uh, actually ends up being his send off. As he will likely uh, he will likely retire um, as the current 100 meter world champion. Um, any thoughts on this race in particular, Don? I know you wanted to, you know you had some things to say about Usain Bolt. Uh, it's just third. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, uh, last week, just the, um, the the lead up to the race, the uh, the the uh, preliminary race where he uh, lost to Coleman by just a hair, and they were kind of looking at each other as they were coming to the uh, the finish line. You know, had a lot of good memes and stuff. So it, the buzz on social media for the final was really building up, and uh, it was a must see TV event. Which you know, outside of the Olympics, you don't really get for track and field. Um, and then just to actually see Justin Gatlin, uh, you know, who's always been the poster child for not good enough when it comes to racing against Usain Bolt actually pull it off in their final race against each other I mean it made for good it made for a really good swerve uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming like you said I think everybody was there to watch Bolt dominate one last time and for him to get this great send off and you know the conquering hero um, and you know passing the torch to whomever else you know maybe it be, will be Coleman who will be the next star of the 100 meters but um, he ended up third and I think that raised the eyebrows of everybody and like you said you know he had one of his worst starts that he's ever had and he just didn't have enough time to close up the distance um but that being said um he'll probably go down as one of the greatest uh olympic athletes of our generation for sure i mean he's had a dominance in this event so 
similar to that of Edwin Moses, um, where, you know, basically everybody knew when they showed up to the track that they were kind of battling out for second place. And I just think that hopefully, you know, in time through whatever he chooses to do now that he won't be in competitive racing, that that people don't lose sight of the accomplishments that he's had over his brilliant career. I mean, to hold the three fastest times in the in the world for this event is definitely a, a legacy that he should be proud of for sure. Yeah, break, breaking nine six in the hundred meters is just just just. A, a, an incredible feat, but to break nine five is is just uh, it, it's it's hard for hard for people to fathom how how incredible that is. And and the story will be that at his height and his um his height was to see somebody sprint. Uh, he defies physics being being a tall sprinter. So it's already difficult to see if anybody can match what he's done at a world record pace because uh, scientists really believe that he is a unicorn that has truly stretched the limit of what top level racing can be uh you know maybe maybe it will take another tall athlete to do it who who knows but that barrier that that barrier that he broke being at his height is going to be the story that people will carry on with them and the fact that he was extremely dominant not only in the 100 but in the 200 as well uh but that torch has already been passed in the 200 uh bolt with his back issues did not he did not choose uh, he chose not to compete in the 200 so the potential next star in the world south africa's wayne van niekert uh he raised some eyebrows by deciding to compete for the 200 400 double as achieved by michael johnson famously in the 1996 olympic championships in our in atlanta uh van beaker really got close uh at, at the end of the day uh he was taken by surprise as turkey's uh ramil guliev uh took him out in the last 25 meters to win the 200 meter gold uh that that was a shock in in the track and field world he was totally not at guliev literally rose from nowhere to be a threat in the meet however uh, van Dieker took the 400 meters in cruising fashion uh he is going to be the guy he's young he's from south africa he's uh he's very charismatic uh yet humble at the same time um the olympics really chose to to publicize him as far as the story before he went out and broke the world record in the 400 uh he looks like he has a superstar potential all over him um i'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the near future at least for the next eight years uh, another uh, story was uh, Tori Bowie uh, literally coming back within the last 60 meters to win with a with a terrific lean literally at the tape to win the 100 meter women's final. Uh, she's been the USA's close but no cigar uh, type woman as she's played second fiddle to Elaine Thompson and a few others from Team Jamaica. Uh, Thompson got off the block slow and finished a disappointing fifth in the race but uh, Bowie has had the talent but this is the first time she's really put it all together and to be the world champion is, is huge yeah, um, that race was very dramatic um mm-hmm. because it, it took them a while it took it like two or three minutes for them to declare a winner everybody was after the race they were buoys on the ground uh the girl who finished who ended up finishing second who thought she won she's you know walking around with her head on her head hands on her head and they and they're like um we haven't announced the winner yet and they had to go look at the tape several times <laughs> and uh they declared that literally literally like tip of the forehead nose uh Bowie won with that lean and uh 
just the closing that she, that she had in those last like 50 meters, man, it was amazing because uh, she was in like fourth place uh, when they were coming down to the line and, and she, she really made up a lot of ground. So, I mean, that race was very, very exciting. That was, that was incredible to me. Um, I think the takeaway from it will be that uh, Thompson's had a cloud of invincibility in the 100, in the women's 100 to um, that loss was, was, was a really, really bad loss. Um, you know, of course her, her teammate, Shelly Ann Fraser price is currently, uh, celebrating her pregnancy and she will be away from the track for a while so Thompson is really carrying the Jamaican banner for track and field right now because um, you know Johan Blake has kind of been overshadowed of course by Usain Bolt and while he is expected to hold down the men's side uh, Thompson is really the star right now and for her to finish so poorly uh, sent a real real way uh, a real shockwave to Team Jamaica um, and I'm sure they will regroup and be ready for the, uh, for the Summer Olympics uh one other final note from from London: uh, the USA's Christian Taylor made history as he became the first man to win the triple jump world championship three times. Incredible, considering all the great triple jumpers in in history, even in U.S. track and field history. Carl Lewis, uh, Mike Powell Sr. Uh, just just those two names alone uh, to surpass them and get three world championships is is really a big deal. And I hope that he returns home to some serious uh, recognition because I I believe that track track athletes are extremely marketable if you present them in the right way and i think that uh allison felix is a perfect example of somebody who's clearly benefited from being a a marketable celebrity via track and i kind of want to see that on the men's side um looking forward to christian coleman uh setting the world ablaze again in the hundred he has talked about the 200 uh could we be could we see a 100 200 double uh in the olympics uh we'll you know only time will tell um you know coleman is being treated as a specialist now as he runs for his alma mater at Tennessee. Um, but anything can happen at the USA Olympic trials as proven uh, at the last trials where, you know, Allison Phoenix didn't even qualify for the for Team USA in her own specialty event in the 200 meters. She had to win gold in the 400. So this is an exciting, exciting time in track and field for Team USA. Just a reminder that you are listening to Know the Score here on the CSPN. Don't forget to keep our podcast free by going to the link at CSPN.us. And don't forget to shop at our retailers where you ranging from Amazon to Skull Candy to Adam and Eve Toys. Uh, don't forget you can use the code OTOY at Adam and Eve and you can get a very, very nice discount. I believe it's still uh, 50%. Uh, so whatever ever toys that you may need from Adam and Eve as you charge up your, your intimate life, uh, you know, we would appreciate it if you take advantage of that discount that we have for you. And, you know, a portion of your purchase goes to our bandwidth. So it keeps our costs low, actually free for you. So you can check us out here and support all of our shows here on the CSPN. Don, we're close to wrapping up part two. Uh, I think we can go with our final thoughts here. Um, anything that you'd like to add considering um, all that's transpired? Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about one of the guys that you put us on to at the end of last season, uh, Tariq Cohen. Um, I use these uh, preseason football games as my kind of scouting, full speed scouting reports for fantasy football. And uh, he really impressed me uh, this week, uh, this past week uh, against the Denver Broncos. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky as well looked very good um, in the work that he put in. But uh, Tariq Cohen got a lot of carries and he had a lot of long runs, a lot of positive runs, and he looks like he's going to, you know, be a big part of the plans of the Chicago Bears coming up this season. 
and uh, no good for a local guy uh, right here in Bun, North Carolina. Only got one scholarship offer. Yeah, he went to A&D, put in the work, grinded, and it just goes to show that I always say, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. If you can play, the NFL will find you. And um, he may be one of those good late round fantasy picks to kind of, you know, late in the in the draft, you got to round out your team. He might be a good guy to kind of pick. And, you know, it may not pay dividends in the first four or five weeks, but towards the end of the season, the playoffs, when you really need those guys who get in the end zone, he may be one of the guys who helps you win the championship in your fantasy league. So a uh, big shout out to Tariq Cohen. Hopefully he um, continues to have uh, good health and um, a lot of success in the NFL. Cohen's an amazing story. Um, as you guys know, um, I'm an Aggie, and of course, I've been following Tariq as, uh, as you know, when he stepped in on our campus. Uh, you know, he wasn't even projected to be the guy as the former school all-time leading rusher was still on campus in um, uh, Mike Mayhew uh, to close out his career. Tariq literally took this job from the all-time leading rusher in anti-history, his freshman year. And ever since then, he has, he was just a, a superstar. Uh, very elusive, uh, very very explosive, dangerous in the open field, as some some folks saw last night. I mean, uh, uh, Thursday evening at you know watching the Bears. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually looking forward to him catching passes as he's being compared to Darren Sproles. Uh, you know, because he's he's small and just quick and can can t- can cut, literally cut on a dime. Uh, in respect to Shady McCoy's handle on Twitter, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to him seeing great things as well. Um, when I'm I'm here to cast my final thoughts on uh, just a couple of things. Uh, before I do that, just want to give you a look at the uh the wild card standings in baseball real quick um going into as of uh yesterday uh, the new york yankees are 60 and 53 seattle is 59 and 57 tampa bay is 59 and 57 minnesota is 57 and 56 los angeles angels are 58 and 58 kansas city is 57 and 57 and you have baltimore and texas bringing up the rear at 57 and 58 and 54 and 59 respectively uh, re- uh in the al uh <laughs> the play has been pretty much terrible by everybody in the wild card race uh boston is just boston with a current eight game winning streak they've laid waste to their fellow division leader cleveland the white Sox, uh who are basically a triple a team and also tampa bay and now you've got a very interesting um back-to-back couple of weekends where they face the new york yankees um in a series that's going to affect the al east and also the wild card standings um in the national league there are really only uh two teams to be concerned about as far as the wild card uh, you have colorado and arizona uh diamondbacks have kind of run into a disastrous turn of events um they're four and six in their last 10 they lost two to the worst team in baseball the san francisco giants and also two to the dodgers at home in the past five days and now you got the cubs coming in for three uh for three uh game series and then you got four games with the astros and then three at the twins so this is a make it break it time for the arizona diamondbacks as you know they could be if they come out of this over 500 they'll still be in the wild card race um if not then you can pretty much pencil in colorado as your your wild your uh, top wild card and they'll have home field advantage uh when they take on the second wild card team so uh pretty interesting a uh, few weeks as we look into september and then eventually october in baseball season my final thought goes into the colin kaepernick situation uh, as folks know i've been a supporter of kaepernick um I totally agree with what he stands for. I, I also am with the masses believing that he's been blackballed. But let's go into a different part of this conversation, uh, this discussion of boycotting the NFL and not watching. 
of my personal belief is that while not watching serves as a good piece of conscience, I understand how you how people feel about the NFL, but I also understand about those players who decide to play in the league. After all, it is their job. I'm choosing to watch the NFL to support them. I mentioned Tariq, guys like Tariq Cohen. I mentioned this several Aggies that are involved in the NFL on my Twitter feed in the past couple of days. I choose to support them. I choose to support players who make a contribution to society and still speak out against the atrocities in America, like a Richard Sherman or the or the Bennett brothers or Brandon Marshall, who also took a knee with Colin Kaepernick. I also believe that talks of a boycott are neutralized when these same persons who talk about boycott choose to support the 32 uh, league-wide sponsors, using the Verizon phones to tweet, driving, hun- driving you know, Hyundai cars, or drinking Pepsi, or supporting the Pepsi Cola Corporation. If you're not going to give up those conveniences, then don't come for me and question my morals because I choose to support the players that play a game, that do a job, that entertain. You want to question the consistency of people who watch football? Look at look at the list of those 32 sponsors and then question your consistency. For myself, Tyler Ball, T-A-B-A-L-L-1 on Twitter. For my co-host, Don DeLaRente, Don DeLaRente on Twitter. That's So Jesse, and you can find her at That's So Jesse on Twitter. And Dubias Wilborn and Wilborn19 on Twitter. And the KTS Pod Twitter, which is at KTSPOD. You now know the score.